Hi and welcome to the We Are Zion Sermon Podcast. We are a local church based here in Chennai, India. We are so glad you are with us and hope that this will encourage, inspire and instill fresh faith in you. We begin our new year with the theme for the year 2024 which is set apart. We look at how each of us who follow Jesus can live lives that are consecrated and separated for him both privately and publicly with his help and leading. We pray that as you listen you would be challenged to live such a life of victory and peace. Hello everybody. It is good to be back. Feels like it's been a while but I am grateful to be back and sharing with you today. We are in the middle of our series called Set Apart. Uh that's our theme for this year and that is the theme for the starting sermon series as well. Uh you would have heard Gershom and Tina uh share on this theme the past couple of messages and today uh I am sharing about being set apart by the Holy Spirit. Uh so that is what the focus of our message is today. I'm going to go ahead and say a word of prayer and then uh, we will get on with it, okay? Father, we thank you as always that we can come to you. We come to you right now, Lord, and uh, I ask you, Lord, that you would give me the words to speak. I know the people are hearing and I want them to hear from you, Lord. So I ask that you would give me the words to speak. Give me the words to speak that are right, that are true, that are meant for the people that are hearing me and hearing this message. Lord. So Father, we trust that you will speak, Lord, that it is not anything that I have conjured up, Lord, but it is something that is from you to your people. So thank you for speaking to your people and thank you for giving me the words to speak. And Lord, as always, we remember, Lord, the people around us, the people across this world that are not able to gather as we are, that are not able to be in community as we are, Lord, because of the situation they're in, because of governments and powers that are under, Lord, that prevent them from gathering and worshiping you, Lord. Father, we ask that you would change the situations, that your kingdom would continue to be established in those areas, Lord, and that you would bring a time, Lord, where people can gather in safety and security, in peace, Lord, and that they can worship and praise you. Once again, Lord, we trust that uh, what you want will be spoken here and that this is uh, from you to your people. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Okay. So, sticking with our theme of being set apart, the focus today is being set apart by the Holy Spirit. Uh <clears throat> to kind of talk on that focus, the passage we're going to read today is Ephesians chapter 4 verse 17. all the way to Ephesians 5 uh chapter 5 verse 2. So this is a passage for today. Um I will approach this passage in three sections or three chunks, okay? And then I will eat read each section and then we'll talk about it and move on to the next one. Uh one thing to understand is through these verses, through these sections there is a sequence here. Uh Paul is like building an argument, okay? So the first part kind of deals with your old self your old life uh the middle part kind of deals with how you came to your new life how you are no longer your old but you're new and then the third section deals with now that you're new what now 
right? What does that mean to your current life that you're new? Um, but I also want you guys to look at these passages through the lens of our theme, which is set apart. So the first section could be what life was before we were set apart. Uh, the middle section is we are set apart. We are called to be set apart. And then we are set apart because we, ha- we are in this new life. Therefore, we are set apart. And the third section can be looked as now that we are set apart, what does that mean to us? What does life look like now that we are set apart? So this is the kind of lens through which we want to view this passage, all with the lens of being set apart. So um, I'm going to read the first section, verses 17, all the way until 19. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to the sensuality as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. Kind of first thing I want to draw attention to is like, Paul or scripture here is not giving us like this cheap Christian advice. It's not something like, this is my opinion, you can take it or leave it. Here, it's very clear that Paul is giving us instructions. Scripture is giving us instructions. Instructions that are not an option whether take it or leave it, but instructions that are to be followed, okay? Instructions that when followed would lead to life. So first thing to keep in mind, these are instructions being given to us so that we can follow these instructions, So as we look at the first section, we see that Paul focuses a lot on thinking, right? He talks about thinking in our old self before we were set apart. Our thinking was futile, right? Our thinking did not lead to anything. Our thinking was darkened. So all this was before we were set apart. And as a result of that darkened thinking or that futile thinking, right? All our actions was very self-focused. All our actions were to gratify ourselves. All our actions were selfish in a sense. So this futile thinking, thinking that really leads to nothing beneficial, thinking that has no end, right? Futile meaning doing something without really any result. So this useless thinking, right? kind of leads to actions that are fully bent towards self, that are fully self-focused, self-gratified, right? And it is the way he ends it, right? In the NIV, it says they were full of greed. Um, It kind of misses the mark a little bit. I think to get a better saying of what he really means, you can look at another translation like ESV or most other translations kind of get this. It talks about how it's not full of greed per se, but it's an attitude of Greedily, they pursued uh, impurity. So it is, they pursued these selfish actions with greed, not that they were full of greed. So like in our old self, in the futility of our thinking, this was our state, right? The actions that we pursued were all to gratify ourselves. And then, but keep in mind this idea of thinking, right? It kind of stems from this futile thinking, right? From our mind that is not renewed, as we will see in the next passage. So now this is verse 20 till 24. That, however, is not the way you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. 
you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. In this next section, we kind of get like this very emphatic, very pronounced start from Paul. It's it kind of difficult to bring it across in the English, but what I read is that the best way to say it is like, but you, this is not how you learned Christ. That's probably a very emphatic way to look at it. He is telling them, reminding them, this is not how you learned, as in the description he made of your, their old self is not how they learned Christ. What they learned in Christ is that you put on your new self. Your mind is renewed. So, and because of your mind is renewed, you put on your new self. He's also probably trying to remind them of the moment that they were set apart, as in when they chose to follow Christ, as in when they heard the gospel and accepted it and chose to follow Christ. It's reminding them of that moment, uh, the pivotal moment in their life where they became set apart, where God set them apart. Now, again, the focus on the mind, the mind being renewed, right? The attitude of our minds, the mind being renewed, so that that affects the actions that come after. Now, we see the old self, or before we are set apart, and we see the act of us being set apart, putting on a new self, so we are set apart now. And now we move on to the section, kind of like, okay, we're set apart, what now? Okay, so this is verses 25 all the way till chapter 5, verse 2. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Now that your mind is renewed, your actions are to change. And so we're moving on to the actions right now. Paul gives us a list of do's and don'ts here, it seems like that. And, but it's not an exhaustive list. So this does not contain every single action that would set us apart. It does have a good many of them that we can judge our actions against as to see uh, what, our, what a set-apart life looks like, but it's not an exhaustive list. Now, also, again, these are commands. These are instructions that we are to follow, not opinions. And just because it's not exhaustive doesn't mean that it's not binding or anything like that. It is a list of commands that we are to follow, a list of instructions that we are to take heed, right? 
and that inform what our life that is set apart looks like. So we start out with, do not lie and speak truthfully to your neighbor, right? So speaking truth to people in our community. So this idea of speaking truth and not lying is set in the context of our community. Uh, truth builds up our community. Uh, lies and deceit, they tear it down. So truth, truth binds us together, lies divide us. So first thing is speak the truth, do not lie. And we will add some more clarity onto speaking the truth when we go and read verse 29 because they're connected. Uh, next we move on to in your anger, do not sin, right? So anger is an emotion that we all experience, that we all feel. Um, some of your translations may say, be angry and do not sin or sin not, right? When it says be angry, it is not a command to be angry. It's not a command to stay in a state of anger all the time, okay? The, in this case, when it says in your anger, right? That's more the tone of this. If you are angry or if you happen to be angry, do not sin. Again, the focus here is really uh, not on anger itself, but on sin. Um, anger is an emotion that has a high tendency to lead to sinful action. So it's not that you can't be angry. Sure, we experience anger. There are situations in our life that we experience anger, but we are called to deal with that anger quickly and deal with it in a way that does not lead to any kind of sinful action, right? So deal with your anger and deal with it in a way that you do not sin. So the focus again is not on the anger per se, but the focus is anger has a tendency to lead to this. So be careful and deal with it quickly. Now, uh, next one is very pretty much straightforward, right? Do not steal, work. So acquire things the right way. Do not take something that doesn't belong to you. If you want something, work for it and acquire it. So do not steal work. But also in what you receive from your work, share with the people around you, share with those who need it, okay? Now we come to verse 29. I'm gonna read it out again because it has uh, some words that are very useful for us. It says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, right? But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen, okay? So there's a good list of expectations here for our speech. Our speech is supposed to be wholesome for building up, not for tearing down, to benefit the hearer, right? Full of grace, based on their needs, Timely, right? These are other words that some of your translations might be using, right? So, speaking to somebody else, right, is for building them up, right? So, in this case, when we talk about speaking truth, right, speaking truth is not this free license to speak whatever you think is true, as in, let me give you a silly example, but it can be true. Um, I find my neighbor annoying. To me, it's true that I find him annoying, so I'm going to tell him that he's annoying. That is not the idea of speaking the truth that we have, right? So it is not that. And 
wholesome and for building up doesn't also mean that we hold back things that should be said truth that needs to be spoken. It is prayerfully and with discernment finding the best finding or being led to share things in the right way. Share things in a way that the hearer can listen so that it can lead to building up, right? So we get a good example when Jesus is talking to the Samaritan woman, right? Um, she gets some water and then she says, I have no husband. But he reminds her, no, that's right. You have. It's not that you have no husband, it's you have five, right? He spoke the truth, but not in a demeaning way, right? He did speak the truth, but it was fully out of love, right? And when he spoke the truth, the response, right? It built her up and many around her came to know that who he was. They were exposed to the truth because of the truth that he shared with her and the way in which he shared. She was open to it, it built her up and it brought people around her to Christ. So this is not to say, again, that we can say whatever we think is true and just get it out or we hold back when we do need to speak, right? It is prayerfully considering how to speak truth to someone so that when they hear it, it is for building and not for tearing down. So that when they hear it, it is grace in their lives, right? It is wholesome for them. And so that's kind of how we want to view um, speech in our Christian community and also when we speak truth, how we want to view that. Now, next up is verse 30. Um, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Praise the seal for the day of redemption. I will come to this at the very end. Okay, so I'll circle back to do not grieve the Holy Spirit. The next one is get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, and brawling, and slander along with every kind of malice. Um, you know, many of these things, if you think about it, are results of anger, right? When we are angry and it goes unchecked, that can be bitterness, that can be rage, that can be brawling, that can be slander, right? And many of these, in terms of anger, also have to do with our speech or our uncontrolled speech, speaking things to hurt. Uh, so these are things that we are not to be part of. These are things that are not part of our life that is set apart. So, and again, here you see anger is under the thing of get rid of. So again, it is not something we try and hold on to, right? If you're angry, that's okay. But it's something that we are working to get rid of it, for it to not be a constant part of our life. So these things that mentioned here do not belong in this life that is set apart. Now, after these little lists of kind of like do nots, we move on to a very important list of do's, right? And the main things that I mentioned that we do need to do is we need to be kind and compassionate, we need to forgive others, and we need to walk in sacrificial love, right? If, if we focus on the do's, many times the don'ts kind of just line up and kind of go out the door. When we are kind and compassionate, right, is can when we are angry, will that lead to sinful action? Very unlikely, right? When we forgive, can we hold on to bitterness and rage? No. Um, when we walk in sacrificial love, um, can we still continue holding on to these things? 
not likely. So the do's here really do kind of take care of the don'ts. If we live out these things of being kind and compassionate, of, of sacrificial love, of forgiving others. Okay? So now I kind of want to draw attention to a couple of things, right? When you look at verse 24 and you look at the end of verse 2, they're like bookends, okay? Verse 24 kind of ends with, like God, be like God in holiness and righteousness, right? So it's this idea of being like God. And then verse 2 ends with loving like Jesus or being like Jesus. So between this both kind of sandwich between these thoughts of like God and like Jesus, we have these lists of things that are expected of us, these commands that we have, things that we aren't to do, things that we are to do, right? The only reason we can do this is because we have this new life. The only reason we can do this is because we are truly set apart. Now, set apart, as in we are no longer separated from God. We are in God, and in God we have been set apart, and so we can do this. So now, <clears throat> going back to verse 30, it says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. The only reason we can do this is because we have the Holy Spirit. He is in us, right? We are changed by Him. We are set apart by Him. We are sealed by Him. So He, so this life of being set apart is only possible because of the Holy Spirit, because He has sealed us for the day of redemption, and because He gives us the strength and the power to live out this new life. <clears throat> Living out this new life constantly making sure that we're putting off our old and putting on our new. It's probably, frankly, impossible without the power of the Holy Spirit, right? So Him being in us is the force, is the power that is necessary in our life so that we truly can live this life that is set apart, okay? Now, this idea of grieving the Holy Spirit, right? So even though we are part of this new life that is set apart. We choose to act in ways that are lining up with our old self and not our new self. And when we act in ways that are aligned with our old self, right, it grieves the Holy Spirit. There is a response from the Holy Spirit when we take part in actions that are all about our old self and have nothing to do with our new self. This, this grief, right, it really should be viewed seriously. It is this deep sorrow. It is almost like this mourning, right? It is he feels grief. He experiences grief as a result of our actions. So he is thing is, you can only experience grief when you're like in relationship. So this just, he's in relationship with us. He is ever present. He lives in us. He sees everything. He knows all things. And as he's in relationship with us and he's in us, when we take part in these things, right? When we give into the desires of our old life and not our new life, he is grieved. It's It is really sobering to think that our actions can get this response from him. 
whenever our actions don't line up with his desire for our lives to be righteous and holy, there is this response, right? I think we really have to focus on the part that he is so relational, right? He is so relational with us that what we do elicits a response from him, right? It is this... I almost think that it hurts him when he sees us do things that don't line up, right, with our life of being set apart by him. Now, I can only imagine um, the constant state of grief the Holy Spirit is probably in looking at my life, right? The things that I choose to do, the things that I choose to think about, the motives and attitudes towards certain things, right? All of those things, he must constantly be in a state of grief. However, that grief doesn't keep him from being with me. So I find consolation in that as well. We go through life, right? Making choices so that we prevent other people from being hurt. Um, we make, we intentionally make choices so that we don't hurt other people or that other people can avoid grief. Um, so be it our spouses, our children, our parents, our friends, our bosses, our coworkers, um, whoever it may be, we intentionally make choices so that we prevent them from getting hurt by our actions. So if we can do that with our important human relationships, shouldn't the Holy Spirit be on the top of that list that we make sure that the actions that we take part in. Do not grieve him. Do not hurt him. Do not fill him with sorrow. So I think just like we gauge our actions around other people, it's time to think about the Holy Spirit in that way and gauge our actions based on what pleases him and what grieves him. Now, the reason we're talking about this in the context of being set apart is it is really not our labels that clearly set us apart but it is our actions that clearly set us apart in this world, right? We have the label of Christian, right? And that can set us apart somewhat, but with our label of Christian, if our actions are lining up more with the world around us rather than with um, our Christian faith, that's really not being set apart. It is our actions that really set us apart. It is when the world does one thing and we choose to do something different, that sets its apart when the world lines up its actions with its values, but we say, no, we're going to line up our actions with our values as Christians. That is where we are set apart. So it is our actions that set us apart. So if it is our actions that set us apart, so when we engage in actions that do not line up with being set apart, that do not line up with the desires the Holy Spirit has for us, do not line up with our Christian values, we have to ask the question, why? Because we've seen in the first two sections, right? Our thinking is heavily tied with our actions, right? Our actions stem from our thinking, the feudal thinking or renewed thinking, right? So our actions stem from our thinking. So when we find ourselves engaging in actions that grieve the Holy Spirit, we need to ask the question, why did I do that? What was the reason I did that? And then kind of figure out if 
the thinking was futile thinking or if it was renewed. But I'm guessing most of the time, not most of the time, sorry, all the time things that grieve the Holy Spirit kind of stem from our futile thinking. So I'll kind of give an example of what I mean, and I hope this will make things clear for you. A couple months ago, I was at work, and it was a period that I did not have a class, or I wasn't uh, talking to anyone at that point, didn't have an appointment. Uh, so it was time to, it is meant for work at school. However, I chose to work on the sermon, okay? And then couple, a few minutes into working on the sermon, I knew what I did. I knew what I was doing was not right, but I chose to do it. So a few minutes into working it, I asked myself, I know this is not right, but why am I doing this, right? Then the reason I came up with this, I don't think I have enough time to finish it, so I need to spend this time finishing it. And after I had kind of pondered the reason, I had this thought in my head, and I really believed this was the Holy Spirit speaking to me. And the thought was, do you not trust me? And do you not trust me enough with your time? Do you not trust me to provide you with time? And that really gripped me at that moment. Of course, I stopped working. I didn't go back to the sermon. I worked on work stuff after that. But that idea of my action, right? Even though I seemed like I had a good reason for it, I, which was, I don't know if I have enough time, I was willing to step out of my value of integrity and do something I knew was not right. I chose to steal time from work to do something that I wanted. But then find the root is that I simply did not want to or choose to trust God that he would provide me with time or he would help me accomplish what he has called me to do. He would help me finish that sermon. So this is kind of what I want to leave you guys with today, right? If you reflect and think of the times you, sh you did something you knew was not right, you did something that you knew clearly did not line up with our values of our Christian faith, right? Did something clearly that grieved the Holy Spirit. We kind of have to ask ourselves the reason, right? What thinking, what pattern of thinking led to this action? And then we kind of have to find where that pattern of thinking, that reason intersects our trust in God. Like, like me, for example, I felt that I didn't have time so in terms of trusting God, I didn't trust that God would provide me with enough time to do what I needed to do. Uh, if your reason is, I did this because I'm lonely, then the question is, do you trust God enough to provide you with companionship when you're lonely, or that he is your companion if you are lonely, right? If your reason is, I'm not satisfied with something, then do you trust God enough to satisfy you, or do you not trust him to satisfy you? So once we are able to identify these areas, right, where trusting God is difficult, then we invite the Holy Spirit into these areas. So we, he can help us trust him, and he can help us change the way that we think. So he can start this process of renewing our minds so that we're not caught in these same patterns anymore, so that we're not caught up in these same things anymore. So. 
the goal here is not behavior modification, okay? It's not Jaren is saying something, I kind of try it out for a couple of days and then move on, right? That being set apart is way beyond just behavior modification, right? That might work for a week or two, but in the long run, being set apart is about transformation. It's more than just behavior modification, it is about transformation, right? It's a constant work of thinking through why we do things that grieve the Holy Spirit and then inviting him into that space, right? And then asking him to help us trust God and asking him to renew our mind, renew, transform the way we think so that we are no longer trapped in those old patterns of thinking so that we can truly see change in our actions. So I think this is where that we can start. One is so understanding that being set apart for many of us, when we came to Christ, there was a singular event where we chose to be set apart. But living this set apart life is a continual daily thing that is continually transforming us, right? So it is a process. It is a journey. But we are to intentionally take part in this, right? Just because it's a process or something that's long-term doesn't mean it gets neglected, right? Our actions warrant our attention because they are important. They are part of our life that is set apart. So I think this is kind of how we should start. One, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you ways in which you have grieved Him. So start out by asking the Holy Spirit to reveal to you in reveal to you ways in which you have grieved Him. I assure you, He surely will reveal to you the ways in which you have grieved Him. And when those things come to light, the first step is repenting, right? Anything that's going to grieve Him is sinful. So we want to start out with repentance. We repent for those sinful actions. We repent for those sins, right? And once we repent, we reflect on why did we do it? What did we do? And why did we do it? We find out that reason. And then we invite the Holy Spirit into that space, right? So that in areas where we are lacking trust, He will help us to build trust. And He will renew our mind to think of these things in a different way so that they're no longer the patterns that we've seen before. So it is a continual transformation from our old self to our new self, continually putting off the old, putting on the new, right? Continually choosing to be set apart. And we are able to do this because we have the Holy Spirit. We're able to do this because He sets us apart. We're able to do this that even though our actions grieve Him, He stays, He does not leave our side, and He is faithful to continue to help us, to transform us into living a more, into living a life that is more and more set apart each day. So, as we end, I invite you to start a conversation with the Holy Spirit. Ask Him, in, ask him how have you grieved Him? Start the conversation, right? Repent and then reflect and see how you can invite Him into that space so that He can truly transform us, that He can truly transform you. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and end with a word of prayer.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you that your spirit lives in us and is the power in us to live a life that is set apart. Father, we know and we believe that our actions are of utmost importance to you, to the point that our actions, when they do not line up with you, Lord, that they grieve your spirit. Lord, we no longer want to grieve your spirit, Lord. Lord, if our hearts are hardened and we are not moved by the fact that we grieve the Holy Spirit, Lord, soften our hearts. Have mercy on us, Lord. Have mercy on us and soften our hearts, Lord. We want our hearts to be softened so that we are moved when we grieve your spirit, Lord. We don't want to be indifferent, Lord, when we grieve your spirit, but we want to be moved as well, Lord, when your spirit is filled with grief because of something that we have done. So right now, we ask, Lord, that you'd soften us. That is something only you can do, Lord. Soften our hardened hearts so that we are moved when your spirit is grieved by us. And Lord, help us to be open and vulnerable with your spirit so that we are open to him renewing our minds transforming our thinking, Lord, so that we no longer are taking part in these patterns that we used to, but that we are truly living a life, Lord, and in our actions that is truly set apart by you and for you. Lord, we love you. We thank you for the mercy that you have shown us. We ask that, uh, again, be gracious to us, be merciful to us, and soften our hearts. We want to feel when your spirit is grieved, we want to know that when we have grieved, Father, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope you were blessed. To hear more messages like this, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you like what you are hearing, consider rating us, subscribing, and even sharing it with friends. That would really help us. For more content from We Are Zion and to connect with us, go to wearezion.in. Remember, whoever finds Jesus, finds life.